What happens when water is exposed to EMF or wireless radiation? Here's something you may not know. Water is conscious and it responds vibrationally to whatever it is exposed to. At Omnia we've done an experiment where we froze and photographed three samples of water. Water which was not exposed to EMF radiation, the baseline, looked like this. Water which was exposed to an EMF field, a 5G radiation field in fact, looked like this. And water which was exposed to EMF that is balanced by the Omnia radiation balancer looked like this. See the difference? Remember, your body is 70% water. And here's a special offer for the Journey to Truth crowd. Just enter the word TRUTH in caps at the checkout for your 10% discount. That's no moon. It's a space station. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Welcome to our first episode officially on Rumble as our main channel now since YouTube just gave us the axe, which um, again, thank you guys all for the loving support and all the encouragement and everything right now because it, it's it's really almost been like a blessing in disguise, you know, somebody put it as they said we shifted above the frequency of YouTube. I'm like, yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. So uh, you know, you know, YouTube was our home for a long time and it's just time to move on because they don't want us anymore. So here we are and we're going to move forward on Rumble and who knows where else, you know, we're just going to keep growing from here. Um, but we would like to invite you to our conference this year in May in Grafton, Illinois, May 13th through the 16th. Uh, we're hosting our third conference, Rebels of Disclosure, and we have a great lineup this year. It's always a lot of fun. It, you know, it's kind of um, away from the city life. It's a beautiful resort. Uh, you know, there's um, mm -hmm. bonfires, sky watches. It's very, you know, surrounded by nature. And it's so much fun. It's so much more than just a conference with the speakers. It's more of a getaway, really. You would want to spend four days at this place, even if you weren't going to a conference. That's how beautiful it is. So um, we're really excited. And all those tickets are available at rebelsofdisclosure.com. But if you can't make it in person, there are live stream passes, and we do encourage everyone to grab a live stream pass. If you want to know what to expect from the live stream pass, you can go to our Patreon or even further back on the Rumble library and watch some of the presentations from the years before, just to give you an idea of what to expect when you purchase the live stream pass. And you'll have the ability to ask the presenter's question through the live stream on Telegram. So that's a cool feature. And all the in-person tickets include a live stream replay. So, and there are day passes, but rebelsofdisclosure.com, uh, all the information is there and we hope to see you there. Tonight, we are joined by Augie Nast. He has a, quite the resume and I was reading through what you sent me. I'm like, holy cow, I can't read all this, all this online. But, uh, you know, you're a former pilot and you've had some really interesting UFO sightings. And, you know, you, you explained that you have some theories on where they come from, when they come from, which is really interesting. And if you guys don't know Augie, he covers time travel a lot. And we're going to be covering time travel today, along with, you know, timeline shifts, parallel universes, parallel existence, paradoxes. Um, you know, a man from another country that doesn't exist. It, we're going to get into all of it and even how to possibly talk to spirits through 
something called the Tesla Spirit Radio. So we have quite the show in store for you today, but welcome to the show, Augie. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Uh, it's good to be hey. here. I like the saying goes, you know, I had never met a microphone I did not like. So here yeah. I am. <laughs> well, beautiful. So let's start with your life as a pilot and how you started noticing UFOs. What was your first experience with that? We, um, and then we can get into some of your theories on where and when they come from. Well, actually, the first experiences uh, that I've had with UFOs started way back in Europe before I even came to the United States. I was probably a, a young kid, uh, um, 11 or 12 or something like that. I uh, I got a hold of some UFO books and read them. And then I had a neighbor kid that talked about it a lot. And uh, we were, sh you know, sharing information and things. And I got to think about that. Wait a minute. They are flying through the air. They have no wings, no motors. So they are opposing the gravity somehow. If they're doing that, going through that, they should create ripples in the Earth magnetic field. And uh, I found out it did because I built a UFO detector. I built it around a compass. Because if there's ripples in the Earth magnetic field, it should affect a compass needle mm. when they're passing by. So I uh, I put a compass there and a bell to alarm that will let me know when something's going on. And that ran through a battery and uh, and a breaker switch all the way back to. I took the compass needle like this and I put two wires on the side of it. So if the compass needle it move it touched one of the wires and the electric circuit went off and the bell went off and i could grab my binoculars and go outside and see what i saw and yes i did i saw something twice i remember seeing that there were other time that it ran off but i i don't remember seeing anything probably cloudy i'm not sure but that thing worked and it's really simple. If you go to broadcastteamalpha.com, going into our website, in the picture gallery, you'll find a drawing on it. And you can probably make your own UFO detector for, oh, I don't know, 25 bucks probably. The compass, you know, that should be a metal casing. Now I want to do that. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. amazing. It, it's, it's so simple. It, it's simpler than falling off a log, actually, because this is... It is is drawn out so you, you can make it yourself. And then, of course, later on, after I, I left the country at the age of 25 and came to the United States and uh, go to flight school. And I did that, got all my certificates and ratings all the way out to multi-engine instructor. And uh, I flew for a living for 23 years. We had a flight school our own uh, international air taxi, and that grew into an air carrier. And uh, I had some experiences while flying, because uh, when you fly as much as I do, then you see stuff that shouldn't be there. Right. But the first thing we do when we see that we try to explain it away. Nah, that, that, that just that didn't happen. I, I just imagined that, or there was just a bird after all. And we we go into everywhere trying to explain it so that our paradigm will accept it. Right. 
there were yep. there were one time I was going in and out of the clouds, <laughs> and uh, we were in a King Air. I think it was on a medical flight, and uh, I think I don't know where we were going. We were probably we were maybe going to the burn center in Houston, and <clears throat> I had a doctor and a couple of nurses in the back, and me and the I was in the captain seat, and then I had a co-pilot, and then I saw there was just like a little pencil about looking like that sharp at the front end and and uh, just even at the back and it came from the left of course you're seeing it backwards now on the screen it came from the left and traveled across our altitude about 24,000 feet and it went very fast I think it probably just took maybe a few seconds from the corner of my eye on the left, right in front of us, until it disappeared on the right. And I think it was probably about maybe a couple, two or three miles ahead of us. And when you're up there, 24,000 feet, doing several hundred miles an hour, and uh, something go right across your altitude, couple of miles away, that is close, really close. Mm -hmm. And I looked over to the co-pilot and I asked him, did you see that? He looked over at me and he looked straight forward, didn't say a thing. And I, th I may have asked him one more time, did you see that? And <clears throat> he didn't say anything. So I left it alone. I knew what I saw. And uh, we got on the ground, and I think I asked him one more time, and he never wanted to talk about it. Later on, I I discovered that he was a born-again Christian, and anything that is not in the Bible and they cannot explain by biblical uh, text, that is a demon. Right. I've and talked about that I, many times. Right. Yeah, I understand that. And I'm okay with that because that's that's his paradigm. Mm -hmm. I can understand if he believed it was, he wouldn't want to talk about it. So that's okay. But we both know what we saw. I'm sure he's thinking about it even to this day. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Well, what's interesting, well, are you finished? I'll let you finish that story first and then... I have a question for you. Yeah, I uh, that was pretty much the end of that thing. Uh, uh, I had a so you know a few others, but uh, in, you know, know these these stories, you know, they they are everywhere right now. Go outside at night, grab a chair, and have binoculars, and look up in the sky. You're gonna see stuff. They're everywhere. I agree. It's just too cold. Yep. It's too cold for me to go out there and do that right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm going to be quiet after you said that because we're going to have 70 degrees today. Oh shit. Yeah. Uh, where are you where are you at? <laughs> Tucson, Arizona. Oh, oh no nice. wonder. <laughs> you know it's really interesting. I've been so drawn to Arizona specifically lately. Uh, I've almost thought about planning a trip there and I don't know why, but I just something uh I'll just have a connection with that area. So um but I want to go back into, you know, these these UFOs and how how they travel. You know, you say you were able to de detect them. I just read Sean David Morton's Sands of Time book and the guy, the employee in that book who 
used to work at Area 51, claimed when he got into what we call the sports model that like Bob Lazar worked on and stuff. Yeah. When he got into the craft, time uh, sped up, basically. So he would get into the craft and he would only be there for what felt like 30 minutes, but 18 hours would pass outside of the craft. And that's when they realized that the technology within the craft is the craft isn't moving through space and time. It's space and time is moving around it. And that was a huge revelation for them and, and their technology and how it worked. So does that correlate with some of the, the theories that you've developed as far as where and when these craft come from and how they move the way they do? I can I can see that happening because uh, the technology used in some of the crafts, and of course it's not all of them because there's all kinds of different technologies that make them fly. Some of them use regular nuts and bolts like we do, and others they use crystal technology. And then we have uh, ships like the one that came down in the 1960s over at the Helgoland Island over in the North, uh, North Sea. And... I mean, a 60-meter-long craft, basically empty, but chairs and few amenities, no engine, no, except for the up front, there was just a, a, a position where there were, there were two hands that you could put on a panel, but it had no engine in it, so obviously it was flown by consciousness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now... I think that when it uh, that craft that had the difference in time inside from outside, I don't think that was necessarily consciousness unless the craft was conscious itself, which there also is a uh, there there is something to say for that. Right. Well, they explained it right. uh, in the book that the man who was working on it. They were those. There were seven craft that were originally at Wright Patterson Air Force Base. Then they were sent to Area 51 after they could not figure them out or get them to work. But this one man got inside, and it somehow was already working with his DNA, and they couldn't figure out why him. But it would only respond mm -hmm. to him, and it yeah. was really interesting. But it's definitely, I think, consciousness. But they also described that the craft were so light. They were so light that they were they could pick a few men could pick them up and carry them. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it was that you thought you would dent the material like aluminum foil, but it would it was harder than anything they could test or compare it to on Earth. So that's also interesting. Yes. And uh that's not uncommon. That has happened uh, several places, like uh, over in Germany in 19, I think 26 or so. Uh the 36. Uh, they had a crash. Uh, the Germans, they had their own Roswell. Yeah. And when yeah. they found that craft in Bavaria, they uh, they realized that one man could get underneath it and lift it. But it was huge. Yeah. It should, that shouldn't have happened. So mm -hmm. the fact that it, the, um, I wouldn't call it anti-gravity because it's more like a gravity nullification system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's what he described. He said when he got inside and it started moving, he couldn't feel. He had no idea that he was moving. Uh, but he could the only way he knew is because he could see outside of the craft, which turned transparent once he was inside of it. So mm -hmm. you couldn't see in it, but when he was inside and you turned the controls on, 
it would it would go transparent and you could see 360 degrees all the way around you yeah and you know this was in the 60s you know they were or in when he was finally develop or discovering how it worked it was in the 60s now that was us now who knows what the germans figured out before then right mm-hmm. we were after right yeah we they were, were they, that was way <laughs> you know pop, right paperclip had already happened and you know von braun and and Kamler there's the famous and guys, you yeah. know daglock the nazi build um yeah. that you know there were and but, then the Hanabu, the hanabu craft that they were working on and and, um, and they described the Nazi bell and that as being not really a craft, but a t- more of a time travel device. Which and, is why they called it the clock, right? Yeah, yeah, the clock. And yeah. and hundreds of people actually died during the testings of it. But uh, we'll, uh, what are your opinions on these craft, you know, being more or less of a time travel device as well? Uh, dear Glocke, yeah, that's uh, the bell. That was... I think they got the technology maybe from two different places because there was this um, lady, Maria Ortisius, or Maria Orsic is what you're calling her here in the West. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was channeling information from a star system in the Aldebaran star system from a planet there. And they told her that we are giving you this information on how to build a craft so you can come and visit us. They kept giving her technical information, and she wrote it down the way it came from her, and there was some automatic writing involved and uh, the regular channeling she did. And she was an uneducated, basically, uh, young girl, 19, 18 years old. And uh, everybody laughed at her. But there were one time she got those drawings in front of a high-ranking military officer. He looked at it and he said, wait a minute. She's on to something here. So he brought it. He got the uh, the drawings and he brought it to some scientists. And they got all excited because they saw some principles that would build on to what they were working with because they got the uh, Roswell incident in Bavaria and they got the craft there and they got into it. And there they had the column in the middle that was the drive system of the craft. So it may have been something similar. The uh, the glocke or the, the bell, that was composed of such that they had a core and then they had one chamber where they had red mercury being driven in one direction outside of that there was another chamber with red mercury being driven the other way they're opposite of them and between the two cores there were magnets sitting in a circle around it so when the uh, when the the magnets were moving against each other they created electricity and then they pulled energy from the red mercury. So this this is this was transmitted to Maria Orsic. Mm-hmm. And also that was the core of the bell or the aglocke. And uh, there was actually I've seen a, a short movie of them test flying it inside of this uh, big uh, circle. Yeah, right. it was cables, actually chains, chains were attached to it so it couldn't fly away. But uh, 
they they lifted it off and it was bouncing around and they couldn't really control it because that was the early but they found a way to control it so they could by uh, i'm not so sure exactly how they controlled the output of the levitation that is uh, i talked to wendell stevens colonel wendell stevens here in tucson i interviewed him two or three times on my tv show here in town and he said he didn't even know exactly how they controlled the bill but it was done by by changing the magnetic uh, electromagnetic output in different areas around it so uh, I, I'm not sure exactly how that would work, but they they made it work. Right. Now, and... you said that some people died from doing that. And uh, that is true. Quite a few of them actually that worked on it. And uh, they didn't make it because later models of the Aglocke, they replaced the, uh, the uh, red mercury with D2O, deuterium, which is radioactive water. And then they got a lot more power out of it. And that's what they put in to the Hanabu 3, mm. the, the flying disc. Mm. And the Hanabu 3, and um, I'm sure also they did that on the Hanabu 4, which there is... Uh, which uh, Colonel Wendell Stevens talked about. They they may have sent one of those off to Mars, but they lost contact with it. Yeah. And he thought maybe because the deuterium, that radioactivity made the metal around it brittle. So yeah. it may have broken up. Yeah, so there was, yeah, there was a couple of issues with that technology. For one, they started off trying to use copper coils and realized they'd just melt the copper right away. So the, the mercury that they started using wasn't actually liquid mercury. It was vaporized mercury is the way they described it. And that was that was what they had to use to power it. But it was highly radioactive. And they, they couldn't find, they had to find a way to keep it cool as well because they could only use it for so many seconds at a time. It would overheat and potentially explode. And... The way it was described is that they kept developing that technology out to where it it came down to the size of a that bell was the size of now a handheld device that could be essentially used as a time travel de device by an individual. And I believe that happened a long time ago. And I think time travel has been happening on this planet for quite some time. And there's been the shadow groups in the government who have been exploring with that and experimenting with that. And I think that might explain some of these Mandela effects and these shifts in timelines. And I think we, that's where we get into the whole conversation of parallel universes and just things that we don't really quite think about and comprehend. We've seen it in the sci-fi movies, but we've never been able to apply it to our reality because, like you said, it doesn't fit the paradigm. But I think it's time to start shifting that conversation towards that. And it would explain a lot of what we're seeing right now if we include the time travel aspect and the parallel universe aspect. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we know, when I say we, I don't mean that I, but I mean technology today do know how to make a time travel device. And uh, I've read about probably seven or eight different uh, scientific papers explaining how to do it. 
And if people want uh, listening here now want to go look at some of that, they can go. There's some very credible uh, papers. The the uh, major internet newspapers. You can go to bbc.com forward slash news and go to forward slash July 11, 2018. They have an interview with the scientists and they say, yeah, we know how to make a time travel device, but we just can't do it yet. They didn't explain why they couldn't. Chances are that the world companies would be really upset if we discovered that, wait a minute, we don't need oil. Right, right. Yeah, and, and right. I heard you say in a previous interview, like, the, um, you know, you need as much energy as the sun to empower one of these yeah. devices. But he's in, in that book I was reading, they specifically said in the, the capsule that they were experimenting with at Montauk in the 60s, it contained the 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 power of ten suns is is the way they describe the power source, yeah. and that's yeah. why it was so dangerous, and that's why it had to be super cooled so it wouldn't blow up the the planet. But, um, you know, we get into they talk about you know some of these failed experiments tearing uh, ripping ripping and tearing the fabric of space and time, and that's where we get some of these bleed throughs from other dimensions and stuff. What are your thoughts on that? Well, um, I don't know. Up and beyond. Remember Ben Rich, the yeah. head of the yeah. Lockheed Skunk Work? Uh, I, I have a quote from him, and in fact, I wrote it down, so I'm going to make it uh, accurate for you. He said, we know how to take E.T. home, and it will not take a lifetime to do it. We already have the means to travel among the stars, but these technologies are locked up in black projects and it would take an act of God to ever let them out to benefit humanity. Anything you can imagine, we know how to do. It's a beautiful. I can point. imagine a lot of things. Right, <laughs> right. It's so, a, it, it's so compartmentalized yeah. by these very few people that they're clinging to that power, and they're not. You know, they'll die before they give up the power. So. Um, in my and opinion, that we have benevolent forces that are helping because they're not just helping us and the planet; they're helping themselves and the whole galaxy because that's what that's what that leads to. You know, when when you have yeah. these evil beings that crave more and more power, well, it goes beyond just this planet and the solar system. They they go out, you know, and especially when you get into the reptilians teaming up with the Nazis and these these uh, dark forces. Uh, yeah, like we've heard many insiders talk about. Yes. Space is full of life. And once you get outside of the atmosphere, then you're going to meet them. Right. They're there. In fact, anybody with a telescope that magnified 800 times or more, and you can buy those things on the internet for about, a, I don't know, $140. Point that on the moon and just keep following it as it tracks. You're going to see ships in orbit around the moon. You can see them. Right. Yeah, I've seen that right. footage, and it's it's crazy. And then it's like, man, is that real or not? But I, I feel like it's real. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there is a YouTuber uh, in Canada, uh, Bruce Schwartz. Bruce sees all on YouTube. He's got close-ups of the crafts on the moon, even in the craters. He got close-ups of cities on the moon, where you can see streets. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. And big buildings. So right. yeah. Someone yeah, we, just someone just yesterday recommended that I check out that mm -hmm. channel too. So I'm gonna have to check that out. Bruce mm -hmm. sees all. Um very Bruce, yeah. Bruce sees all. So let's get back into um the, the time travel parallel universe conversation. So you mentioned in a previous uh, show that you did, I think with Neil Gar and Portal to Ascension, that you were able to peek into other timelines and you never really dwelled on how you were able to do that. And I'm very curious to, you know, I'm, I'm very curious to hear your understanding of how you can, what is another timeline, how we even know they, they exist and how you're able to peek into them and why we can shift them. Well, the thing about that part of it, timelines, it is a little tricky to understand unless you understand what time is. Right. It all, always works better if you understand how it works. And uh, I had an incredible experience uh, close to 10 years ago now where I was sitting in meditation and the universe was downloaded into my mind, both in concept and detail. And, and the things that I was interested in was clearly depicted, but it was very quick. It was just a, a few seconds and the whole thing was downloaded. And later on, I could just think about something and then it pops out, I could see it. Timelines are based on consciousness because quantum mechanics has proven to us that we live in a mind-created universe. So then the question is, can we prove that? Well, when it gets into the equation, I lose myself, but I rely on other people smarter than me. And, and uh, one of them, James Gates, he says that when we get deep in the equations, explaining the fundamental particles in the fabric of space, we find computer language. We didn't put it there, but it shows up. And intelligence put it there because it is too organized to be there by accident. So if we have computer language, there's got to be a computer somewhere, right? Right. So if there's a computer somewhere, I can, I can understand that, but what I'm really interested in is who's sitting at the computer. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, let, let me point to him. That's you. <laughs> you are sitting at the computer because there is a universal consciousness that you are part of. And that universal consciousness project things through your consciousness into your reality. And everything around you is mind created from, from your consciousness based on an acceptance of what you have been told and experienced and seen and so on. So here, the uh, computer here, that's mind created. Mm -hmm. But now, this is our timeline right here. And I bet many of us have had incidents where things feel different, feel like something is wrong. Like when I 
came it was a while back. Uh, I came home with my handful of grocery bags, put it on the island in the kitchen, and put the car keys next to it. Put the groceries away and walk over to get the keys, and they're not there anymore. Hmm. They're gone. Couldn't find them anywhere. Well, what happened? Something moved the keys. I found them in the freezer. And the groceries that I can remember had not, nothing had gone in the freezer. So something happened there. And there was a time slippage. We've, I found myself in a parallel timeline. Hmm. slightly different from what the first one was. And I bet a lot of people out there have had this experience where suddenly things are a little different, but later on, it seems normal again. And if you go to YouTube, you'll see a whole bunch of videos of people just put in their time slippage or time travel, and you're going to see it. They're full of people having these experiences. And I think that is done by our consciousness. Our consciousness rips us from one timeline and moves us into another one. And the thing is that you can create those new timelines yourself. I did that many times. I did one of those. That was a major one back in Europe. I was I grew up on a farm, was the only son on the farm, and the traditions are very strong there. I was going to be a farmer. There is no way around it. I went on to agricultural college, and I got a, became an agronomist, and that was what I was groomed for. But I figured out that I didn't want to do that the rest of my life. So I broke with that timeline, and I went to the United States to become a pilot. That was a major shift in timelines. I had another major shift when I quit flying and started re researching and working with the mind. Hmm. And minor shifts in between are caused by your thoughts different than what you are expected to think you could end up in a different timeline so yeah this is interesting because you know you've said that accepted science proves that electrons and photons can exist simultaneously in two places at once <clears throat> which means then humans could potentially exist simultaneously in two places at once so when you're talking timelines that's different than like a parallel universe or is that other timeline technically a parallel universe, if there's infinite number of parallel universes? Uh, maybe, but a, a timeline, a different time, two different timelines could very well be within the same universe. But a different universe, that's where everything is different. Because universes have many, 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 and many timelines in it for each one of us. I think there are hundreds or a myriad of different timelines that we have created. And there's a very good likelihood that we are in every one of those timelines. 
I'm still wondering how the guy back in Europe is doing back on the farm, because <laughs> I I just might be there too. <laughs> <laughs> and this yeah. very thing you're talking about uh, is what came through many of Dolores Cannon's QHHT sessions with people. It, what would come through is that there are an infinite, basically, number of parallel timelines, parallel U's yeah. that made a slightly different choice because every millisecond, every second, you're making a choice, you're doing something. Yeah. Well, what if you made a different choice? Where does that energy go? Well, that's on a different timeline, essentially, is what it works out to be. And then there's a timeline where you made an even different choice than that, and then a different, and then different. Yeah. And then something different happened to you, and then something different happened after that point. Um, and they're all happening now because time ultimately doesn't exist. It's just an experience that you're having. We're experiencing time, but it ultimately all that exists is the the now moment, is the zero point, right? Right. Yeah. It's it's just you're. I'm it's always now, right? It's always. It's never yesterday. It's never tomorrow. It's always now. But we experience. We have an experience of linear time, but it really it's all just different streams of energy. I guess you could say that right. it's all in the now moment. Yeah. You said something right there. There is always now. Now is the only thing that exists. Anything else, there is a record of the now. Mm -hmm. So what was explained to me in the download that I had was time. There is some physical evidence, a stream of time. Uh, are you familiar with what a square wave generator is? Mm, I, I've, I've heard, heard of square it. waves. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's uh, because what I saw is that the nows, the present moments are recorded. You have a present moment right now. That is the spike of energy with pictures and everything that we do in it. And then it moves over about just a little bit and that distance is the quantum i mean the um the uh let's say one to the 32nd i think it is the the planck distance mm -hmm. and then it collapses to nothing right in between each present moment there is nothing Mm -hmm. And then it moves up, it spikes again. Now you get a new present moment, move over a little bit, and it collapses Dif to another different frame. It's like frames in a movie. You it's got like it. frame, 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 just going yeah. really fast. Right. And they are placed so close together that when we move through it, it looks like a, right. a movie. Right. And so reality are... is constantly flashing off and on and off mm -hmm. billions of times a second. We just don't perceive it, yeah. obviously, because it's happening so and, fast. And then you have the naysayers that say, no, I, I don't believe that, because I have a camera that can take really fast pictures, thousands of pictures a second. I should Not be fast. able to see between those. Not and fast enough. My the camera shot. doesn't exist. <laughs> right, right, exactly. In the non-existent time, time, you know. Right. It only exists in the on flash. So yeah, right. That's not how that works. Right. So whenever you peeked into this other timeline, uh, you explained seeing 2016 and Hillary Clinton winning the election and World War Three happening. But you said it's we shifted 
timelines and 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 that didn't happen um can you explain for one a little more detail of what you saw and how you believe that we shifted um let me back up a little bit um the different timelines have different things in it in 2003 bbc television came over to the united states to do a tv documentary on time travel they had Michio Kaku in it and Green mm -hmm. and myself. And I demonstrated a little electronic device, that, a box, and an um, electromagnet that is extremely strong. And then a time coil. I demonstrated that they, took, they brought us down to New Orleans and we did the shoot down there. And uh, I demonstrated to them, but it was... I mean, there were seven or eight people in the room, so I wasn't able to do anything there, but I demonstrated how it works. But this electronic device have given me some very strange experiences. I have photographic evidence of that time travel and time slippage at the same time. On broadcast Team Alpha, if you go to picture gallery, you're going to, uh, let's see, yeah, page 15, in the middle of the page, there's two pictures next to each other. They are taken at the same time, but they're different. One picture, the road has had heavy rain on it because it's all the road is wet. And then there is leaves on the trees. The other picture, the road is dry. And there's no leaves on the trees. Hmm. But I tried, what I did is that I sat down and concentrated on doing something through the internet. I was sitting there watching a, um, a lens from a camera over in Europe in my hometown. They were watching a road intersection. And I took a screenshot of it. So I saved that. And then later on, quite a bit later on, I try to put myself and do my mind exercise with it. And I try to go back to the same time and take another screenshot. Now, I missed it. I missed it by one minute and five seconds. But that's close. And the road should not dry up. And all the leaves disappear in one minute and five seconds. So you can look, there's a lot, a lot of writing on there that explains how I did it. So that would be the better one probably to go read that. But this happened. And I have been trying to get this verified. I talk to people every so often, scientists that say, yeah, we. I tell them I got two pictures I'd like to, to give me your evaluation on. I want you to run it through the computer and see if you find any dislocations in pixels and anything wrong with them. And they said, sure, that's simple. And then they asked me, what are the pictures? When were they taken? Or what, what is it? So as soon as I mentioned time travel, they want nothing to do with it. They shut up. Yeah, shut down. Yeah. Doesn't fit most the paradigm. They think it's yeah. fantasy and doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, most of these people, they are working with universities and stuff. And so if anybody out there... Yeah is qualified to do those things, I really want to hear from you. 
Well, I'm sure there's people now, there would be people more open to do it as opposed to a few years ago, even. I think, you know, a lot of people are breaking free from that old paradigm. And and I think you, I think somebody will show up that will be able to help you with that. So then, yeah. so that was the beginning of you being able to glimpse into another timeline where you saw the Hillary Clinton thing or? Uh, that was, well, I did some things before and some of the stuff that I saw back th that I um, saw earlier before that incident when I took those pictures. They were not very nice. So that's why I um, don't really talk about it much because I don't want to give it energy. Mm. Because I changed. 20 years ago, my mind was in that timeline where those things happen. Right. Because I was on TV twice a week explaining the corruption of government especially locally in Tucson and Arizona, when they did something that wasn't right and illegal, I jumped on top of it and exposed it. And I had a huge audience. Just in Tucson alone, there was a half a million people watching every week. And wow. they hated my guts. But I was on it, on it for six years. And then when I quit that, I changed direction i became more spiritual in my path and that changed the timeline mm. in that previous timeline i had a little peek at it later on in fact hillary won the presidency and we went through world war three as a nuclear war right so now none of that is going to happen there's still hiccups but I have seen enough of the future. I'm not worried about it at all. It's going to be good in the end because also what's happening is that the many different timelines are, are closing in. We're going to end up in one timeline with good things in it. All the rest of it will be phased out of from where we are. Yeah, I right. believe that. I agree with that too. I'm not. I'm not even right. slightly worried about the Dang. future. I think it's all going to work out. Um, yeah, the thing is that, uh, you know, you have uh, Operation Blue Beam and things like that, that they have planned for us to fake alien invasion. And uh, yeah, that's been a long time program. Even uh, they talked about it 50 years ago that they were planning to do this. They didn't have the technology, but they were developing it. And now they have it. Did you guys ever see that movie from, uh, I think it was from Dubai? It was a, a short a movie clip a video where there were whales flying through the air. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. the blue beam technology, the hologram. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They have it now. They can put thousands yeah. of ships in the sky, all holographic images. And in between, they can fly some of their own that they use particle beam weapons and shoot things on the ground to create more fear. Right. Right. I am been programming the universe for that not to happen. I think they're going to fail at it. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't see how it could work because I would say thousands upon thousands, if not millions of people, know this narrative. <laughs> And know this is what their plan is. And if you know that, then 
it takes all the power away from it. That black magic doesn't work anymore. And you you kind of, you just rob them of that power. So I think collectively, as we even talk about it and understand that that was their plan, it foils their plan. Right. Because ultimately they need us to stay fully asleep to keep feeding, powering their system and what they want to happen, keep buying into it for it to work. And too many of us are awake now. Too many of us don't trust governments, don't trust the things that happen on a mass scale. Um, And too many of us value our freedom over just giving away our power to the state and governments like that. Um, And there's too many of us that know about the stuff we're talking about now, even this is starting to become, you know, UFOs are becoming mainstream, ETs, this types of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, it's too big. Too many people are awake. They're not going to be because we are power source. It all comes back to us. They have to just trick us into creating it. And like you said, yeah. with the timelines, it's like you were, you were unconsciously creating or living in that negative timeline until you realize, wait a second, I can switch timelines, and it's it comes down to you. It's not something external to you. And I think uh, you know, and then collectively, it's like we hear stories of um, project looking glass and different technologies that supposedly leave you into the future. Well, there's no the future. There's infinite peril. There's infinite uh, possibilities that the future could be, but you're on a certain trajectory at any point in the now moment. You're on a certain trajectory based on if you just stay on autopilot basically, but the second you make a different choice consciously, now you're on a different trajectory. And collectively, I think that's what we did. We were on that trajectory where Hillary Clinton won, World War III started, nuclear, New World Order fully implemented. And then you, collectively, we were we started waking up and making different choices and raising our vibration. Yeah. And till, hey, wait a second, Hillary was supposed to win. They all thought she was going to win because they all saw it in their technologies and stuff. And that was their plans. Uh-oh, something else happened. That's why you saw them freak out for four years straight and throw everything they could to try to like change back to their timeline, right? That they yeah. wanted. Yeah. And uh, for everybody listening out there, when we talk about conspiracy theories and stuff like that, uh, there's going to be a phenomenal shortage in the United States, especially in the United States, mm-hmm. of conspiracy theories because they're all coming true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Now, remember what the head of the CIA said. The head of the CIA under Ronald Reagan, and I wrote that one down too. There's a quote. I got to read it to you. And uh, he said that when we wake up and find that everything the American public believe is false, we know our disinformation program is working. Yep. Yeah. Take that one, put it in your pipe and smoke it. I tell you, that tells it all. Right. Says it all right there. Right. When everything you believe is a lie because we programmed you to believe it in the first place. Yeah. It's not something you came to on your own. Mm -hmm. That's why I I stress so much. Take your power back. Take your mind back. uh, Question everything you think is true. Everything you currently believe. Really form your own beliefs. Go on your own journey of finding out what's what's true. And what you actually believe, because what you'll find when you do that is that almost all the beliefs you have are something that's been handed to you by someone else. And then you just bought into it a long, long time ago. 
So absolutely. And in my book about spiritual science, higher conscious thinking and how to access the universal consciousness. I got a whole chapter back there, how people really can do time travel on their own. There's mm -hmm. some mind techniques to it. You gotta, if you haven't done it already, start meditation because meditation is usually the gate to higher consciousness. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And in there, mm -hmm. I explain how to do it. And uh, that's just one method. You can have different variances on it yourself, whatever makes you feel good about it. But it can be done. You can see. You can have visions of it, or you can actually see yourself right there on site sometime in the future. But it helps if you have thought of something similar to pull you forward because you mentioned um, earlier Aaron that it is all sitting there as potential for creation in mm -hmm. the quantum that's right. it it's only potential. potential we have to bring it to be real mm -hmm. we're the ones that pull that into our experience but we yeah. we're the ones doing it so you're either going to be doing it unconsciously or you're going to be consciously doing it consciously creating as some people say so you're saying time travel can occur through meditation in simple terms. It, it, it very well can. And uh, that is also anybody that goes as far to attain what is called city consciousness, S-I-D-I consciousness. Mm -hmm. That is when you actually become all mind. You really don't have use for a physical body anymore, but you use it for ease of communication and interaction with other people and things. There are people that have done this, but they don't have, hardly ever talk about it. Mm -hmm. Right. I know two that have done it. And that's why uh, one guy, he... I uh, I was with him, and uh, he left, and then I called him, and now he was home already. But he he lived a half hour away, and uh, he got there in about I don't know five minutes. Yeah. So things happen. Mm -hmm. I think it happens way more than we think or even realize because if something like that does happen, I don't know that we always have a memory of it. Yeah, I think things are occurring all the time that we're blipping in and out of timelines and, and who knows what it is. But like you said, like you, you misplaced your keys in a freezer. Like, so you could easily write that off as you just, oh, I must have put them there and I don't remember. Or something actually happened where you shifted realities and some dimensional shift occurred. And and you, it's worth further explanation or further ex exploration. And yeah. like one of your comments from one of your videos I loved, you said, whenever something happens that you cannot explain, take it for what it is. Don't try to explain it away. It is your experience to hang on to, and it will make sense later. And mm -hmm. I think if you don't explain away those things, suddenly your reality will shift because now you're looking at looking at everything through a new lens instead of just saying, oh, that's not real. Yeah, we're good at that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, there's another way to do this. And that is through hypnosis. Uh, my my co-host on the broadcast team, Alpha Shore, she is a hypnotherapist, and she's done. She's doing something that I haven't seen anybody else do, and that is that 
She puts somebody into a hypnotic state, and then she takes them forward in time to meet themselves, have a discussion with themselves, maybe some advice, because chances are that your future self may be possibly a little smarter than you are back here. You can get advice and you can talk to yourself up there. And some phenomenal things have happened when you do that. That you can do in hypnosis. <clears throat> you, don't, you don't get those results unless you get deep into theta. Mm -hmm. But when you do, those things open up. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, years ago, I had a session with somebody, and she was like, "You know, what do you do when you meditate?" And I was like, "Oh, I try to, you know, connect with my guides and and this and that and whatever." And she's like, "Have you ever thought about trying to connect with your future self and asking him for advice?" And I was like, "No." She's like, "Maybe try that." And I've done it on a number of occasions in meditation. Now, I don't know how successful it was, and sometimes you don't know if you're making things up, you know, but. Uh, it's really interesting, and we don't always think to do that. So I'm glad you brought that up again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, the concept of thinking that you may, might be making it up, that concept enters your mind because you are not deep enough. If you get deep enough, there will be no doubt. You will know you experienced it. Mm. That's helpful, actually. Very helpful. Yeah. yeah. And that's what there are things that is uh, is used by certain hypnotists, like stage hypnotists and uh, magicians. I was taught by a magician because our mind is full of barriers, and we got to get by all those barriers. And mm -hmm. he was good at that. He told me how to wipe out the barriers and get right to the, your source, down deep in the theta. And that's what happens when you get deep enough. But you will not find those methods in the hypnosis book written by PhD that works for a university and stuff like that. They will never tell you the, the real deep stuff because that will affect their purse because people start questioning, wait a minute, right? do you actually say that there are several murders done under hypnosis and the guy didn't even know he did it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it happened. Yeah. So now people will back off, so they will lose money, and that's why they don't write about it. Because if you get people deep enough, you tell them what to do, and they will go do it. And they have no clue they actually did it afterwards. They're one trick. But you can, you can uh, on the street, anywhere, you can put somebody into a hypnotic state in a matter of about two seconds because that's called the rapid induction method is one trick. And if you walk up to somebody, shake his hand and pull really hard on the hand, that creates a shock in his mind. He, for a, for a, for a moment there, his mind go blank. And then you tell him, sleep. Mm -hmm. Now he slumps over, and he is in that hypnotic state where you can tell him what to do. Wow. Uh, and I also think it can be done through means of technology and frequencies nowadays. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like they've, they've mastered that weaponry. But 
it's very interesting. Like I think we're always in a state of hypnosis most of the time, like even while you're driving, that's arguably a state of hypnosis. When you're watching a movie, you're in a state of hypnosis. When you're on your phone scrolling like a zombie, it's a state of yep. hypnosis. And there's people yeah. that, you know, they're like, I can't be hypnotized. You know, it doesn't work on me. Like you're hypnotizing yourself all day long. You don't even when, realize it. When Every you go into time, theta, right. you you become suggestible. And that's why when you watch TV or the yeah movies and stuff, the programming goes into your subconscious and then you don't even realize it. And then um, that changes your behavior subconsciously. Right. And yeah. your thoughts and your feelings and all that. Right. So and they put subliminal yeah. messages and all kinds of other technologies, like you just said, on top of that, that makes it that much worse. So it's like you really have to like that's why waking up is so important because if you stay asleep, you're you're just like a sitting duck for all this stuff. But the more awake you become, the more you raise your frequency, the more you get in your heart, use your will and intent. Boom, it's game over. They can't touch you. That right. That's, that's what they that's don't want it. us realizing. Why do I need to wake up? Why does it matter to me? Because otherwise you're a sitting duck. I it's love everything. That. It's literally everything. Um, yeah. So yeah, just for absolutely. just for fun, um, I would love for you to tell us a story about the man from a country that does not exist. Uh, and uh, uh, I tell you, um, the really good one there is that go to um, go to the internet and. Um, Try not to use Google. They they censor yeah. so much. Use anything else. Uh, there's one good one. That's T O R Tor uh, browser. They don't mm. censor anything. You can get on Russian. You can get on Chinese. You can get on do see anything. The dark web. That's how people get on the dark web. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or yeah. no, it's not necessarily that. Yeah, you probably can do that too. I've never been there, but well, I don't know. I, I just heard you have to have a Tor browser to to use yeah. the dark web or whatever. Yeah, Tor is like pretty good. And, and then you put in the search bar, the man from Taurid, T-A-U-R-E-E-D. And you get to read the story. You can see pictures of him. The man in the 1950s that showed up at the uh, at the airport in Tokyo. And uh, they was going to process him through, and they started looking at his passport, and so that doesn't quite look all right. So they asked him, where are you from? And he said, from Tauride. Okay. So they uh, pulled him aside because the country does not exist, but he had a passport from that country. Right. And they asked him, um, um, where, where is Tauride? So they brought him a map, and he pointed to it, and it's the country of Andorra, squeezed mountains between Spain and France in the, the Pyrenean Mountains. In our existence, that country is called Andorra. Mm -hmm. In his timeline, that was called Tarid. Mm -hmm. And they uh, just didn't know what to do with this, so they kind of um, told him, you know, we're going to sequester you here for we go. We got to do some more research. So they put him in a hotel room, and uh, and uh, there were two guards outside, police officers. They were outside. So he went into the room. This was on quite a few floors off the ground, and. Uh, 
in the morning, the, uh, the guards knocked on the door and nothing happened. So they opened up and they walked in and the guy was gone. He had on him, he had currencies, uh, monetary currency, paper currencies and coins from several different countries that actually do exist. But also country uh, bills, uh, currency bills from Tarid, which doesn't exist. And uh, there, there's several pages of information what the police uh, have done, and there are people that have done research on this. And uh, they're saying that, yeah, there is a police record of him. In the, the police have a record of him, so it did happen. And didn't so he didn't only disappear, but all of his belongings that the police had in custody locked up disappeared out of a locked box, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it all went, and uh, now they uh, they really they they in, investigated some more, but they really didn't come up with anything of value, so to speak. I just but it. It, it's yeah. almost like he slipped through like a natural portal that opened up or something and somehow went into our universe or our uh, timeline or whatever. Right. Like temporarily and, and then went back. Yeah. And that makes sense to me because there is a safety valve in the universe. Mm. Where you are, when you go outside of the timeline or in the future or past or whatever, you're anchored somewhere. And the universe have a way to bring you back to where you started. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And I think you do that by thinking yourself back. Yeah. Mm. I, I don't know. It's just so fascinating to me. And it kind of ties into with what we're talking about. Like, this is a yeah. real case, a real scenario where something like this happens. You know, we've heard of other stories similar to this where, you know, guys, people have our currency has been found from the future and other years and other mm -hmm. places. It just doesn't fit into our reality. So, and you know, that guy who showed up in the airport, he was even in his passport. It showed that he had been through that airport like twice in the previous month. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. so he was like, right. you guys are crazy. There was like this whole argument back and forth. So I wonder like if he accidentally like just slipped back into his reality or someone pulled him back? Like, was there other forces at play? Uh, this is, I, you know, these types of subjects fascinate me. So. Yeah, I know. It, and and of course, just timelines it, interacting with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And mm -hmm. here in America, we have our own incident like that. And that is uh, a guy named Andrew Carl Seen in 2003. He was arrested for insiders trading in New York because he started with $800 in a matter of a few weeks, two or three weeks. He made $350 million from those $800. And the oh. uh, regulators, they start looking at that and say, well, wait a minute, that, that can't happen. That is insider's trading. So they came and arrested him. He was mm -hmm. hauled into court. And uh, he told the judge that, yeah, I'm really sorry. He says, I, it got out of hand. And the judge asked him, how did you know to do 126 high-risk trades and never lose a dime on either one of them? And he said, well, I'm a time traveler. 
mm-hmm. from 2056 or something like that. And the judge, of course, you know, he didn't believe him. So he said, well, we're going to keep you here until you tell us who you got the information from. So they locked him up in jail. They put a million-dollar bond on him. And he was sitting in jail for a couple of days, and one man came with a cash for $1 million, gave it to the clerk of the court or whoever they gave it to. And then both of them, Andrew Carcine and the guy that came and bailed him out, they left, and they were never seen again. <laughs> I, now, I've never heard that story. Interesting. I haven't yeah. either. That's a new one. And uh, then, you know, you got always naysayers out there. Oh, that's just a made-up story. Guess what? I looked. There's a police record. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. He it's was really at Ra- he was at Rakers Island for two days. So yeah, that was real. And, yeah, and then you got a uh, John Teeter who you know was on coast to coast, like called in, and uh, that's a whole. What do you what's on him? Mm-hmm. You think he was legit? Oh, I, I I totally believe this could happen. Seeing, having mm-hmm. seen what I see, I believe this could very well happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. So, and then you have uh, a- Andrew Bashago, who claims he was in Project Pegasus yeah. and time traveled with an incredible amount of detail. With an, yeah. inc- yeah. an amazing amount of detail. Yeah. 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 And have you and, got? Have you guys interviewed him? Yes, we, we have. have. And yep. yeah. I'm actually putting together a presentation for our conference and it's going to be dealing with some time travel, parallel reality aspects. And I, I've been listening to his testimony again. And so you know, some of the buildings and some of the places he talks about, I was like, you know, I'm going to look these up and I've been like locating the buildings and like, it's really interesting. Like nothing he says, I can't go check out myself, you know, besides like the stories that we can't prove, but like all the facilities and the buildings that yeah. he's just rattling off it's exactly where he says they were, and it's and it's there mm-hmm. these weird, you know, very yep. curious locations. And um, so before we wrap this up, at the very beginning, we talked about um, talking to spirits and the Tesla spirit radio, and actually communicating with possible beings from the astral realm or the other side yep. of paranormal, you know, type of stuff. What is the Tesla Spirit Radio, and have you explored? Oh, that's uh, it's a it's a long story, but there are several ways you can do that. Uh, one of them is the Tesla Spirit Radio, and that is uh, in 1901, Nikola Tesla created a radio circuitry that he left on his desk, and it suddenly started having voices. So he is uh, quoted, and I think I'll uh, paraphrase his quote. I get pretty close. It says, I was alone in my laboratory at night, and I heard two voices communicating with each others in a language I did not understand. It terrified me. So also remember, Nikola Tesla, but fluent in seven languages. So he didn't understand right. what they were talking about. So it was probably either an earth language that he didn't understand or parallel timeline. That could be. But right. this is easy to make. You go on the uh, internet and you can uh, 
uh, Tesla Spirit Radio, you Google it and you'll find the part. You can find the schematics and how to make it. And it's really simple. I think it's about 14 different parts on it. And if you know a little bit about uh, electronics, you can put that together. If you have a friend, if you don't know anything about that, you have a friend, buy the parts and give him, send two, two sets to him. Make one for himself and make one for you. That way you can get it done and start experimenting with. Go to YouTube and put in Tesla Spirit Radio. You can hear the spirits talking. Wow. Try yeah. this and you can and then there's another one that is coming up and that is done right here in Tucson actually. <clears throat> they are um, there's something called the Soul Phone. And that is Dr. Schwartz, Gary Schwartz, he um he actually has patented because they have run the through a computer, through circuitry, and also a transmitter at the other end, where they can type in on the computer questions, and the answers come back in form of yes or no. Yes is a green light, no is a red light. And so far, that this was probably about a year ago or so, he said that, when we ask the questions so far, he says, only correct answers has come back. Wow. So he don't know who's at the other end, if it's the universal mind or if it's somebody out there that pretty sharp is answering. He's not sure. The soul phone, S-O-U-L phone. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and then there's another guy over in France. That was I read that in a newspaper back in Europe in the 1960s, before you guys were born. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he uh, was in southern France in the Toulouse area. He, uh, he took a Tesla coil, brought it out to the graveyard, put it right next to a fresh grave, walked away about um, 20 feet or maybe a little more, start taking, plug it in, of course, so it's working. And then he walked away, start taking pictures. Very often, he could see the dead guy standing next to the grave. And there was wow. no question, that was the dead guy standing there. Wow. So he was starting to show these pictures around to his friends in town, you know, and they said, wait a minute, you know, you took, Pictures of a dead guy? Oh, that's got to be Satan that is helping you out. So they started ostracizing him. And he said that he had to move because if he hadn't moved, he said they probably would have killed me. It's like another version of the witch trial. Right. The, yeah. The that was the, the Bible bells of France, you know? Right. I don't understand it. So it must be evil. It must be demons and Satan. Yeah. Right. Which Classic. is something that comes up a lot more than you would think uh, today. Still, people are still, still grab onto yeah. that. Anything outside of their belief is a demon, which is, like yeah. you said, you understand it because it's outside their paradigm. But man, you know, what a way to live just stuck inside of a box like that. Yeah. But, it's just an extreme version of fear of the unknown, you right. know, which is as old as time. It's as old as, you know, you fear, you people naturally fear what they don't understand. And when you fear something enough, you attack you eventually will attack it try to get rid of it demonize it yeah uh 
that's when you start causing harm because you're right. just in a ton of fear basically mm -hmm. so that's why it's so one of the reasons why it's so important to to get out of fear yeah. and to of understanding so you don't have to be afraid of things yeah if you're buried in the religion then you're buried in fear anyway so right 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 exactly yeah. well, i got so. out of it luckily yeah and now there's one quick way to also where you can communicate with extra earthly beings i guess is a, maybe one term for it you can leave them written written messages but remember you're here they're outside of the physical so they're outside of the box looking into the box seeing you so mm -hmm. right right uh, any astral traveler can tell you this <clears throat> write your messages backwards because when they look into a box where you are it's like you looking in the mirror everything is backwards mm, so write the messages backwards and you can say show me in a dream and then write out what you want to see because Spiritual entities have an easier way to communicate with you through dreams because those dreams may not all be physical. You may have left the body and then have a memory of what you saw out there coming back when you wake up. Yeah, when you're dreaming, your reality isn't, isn't created through your beliefs. You know, you let go of the beliefs. The beliefs dissolve. Mm -hmm. The beliefs dissolve when you fall asleep. So all of the unknown can happen because you're not limiting yourself and holding yourself back by those barriers right. that are up during the day. So. Yeah. Um, a lot of limitations go away. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, well, thank you so much for joining us today. Is there any last words you'd like to leave us yeah. with anything else you want to cover before we wrap this up? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think I got to mention it. Uh, I have the book on the shelf up there, but the, the, I wrote a book that will teach you how to use your mind in ways you normally would think would be impossible. And that book is uh, Spiritual Science, Higher Conscious Thinking, and How to Access the Universal Consciousness. I get emails from people every week saying you, it changed my life. And I also show you in there how to create the future and place it in a place in the future go back and forth and visit it every day so you create the future before you have to live it so when you get to that point in the future you just walk into it and i've done a lot of that and it works but most people they spend more time planning their vacation than planning their life how dumb is that? Right. You know? So right. plan your future. Put it in the future, let's say at a Christmas party next year. Mm. And know what you want. Create a mental image of it with emotion, intention, love, and gratitude for already having it. And then go back and forth and visit it every day. You get mm -hmm. drawn up that timeline. So when the Christmas party come, you just walk into it. I love the that. Uni exactly. The universe will get in the game with you and help you create it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a form of manifestation. 
really yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah well, uh, thank- do you know about do you know about neville goddard who mm-hmm. talked about all yeah. that kind of stuff yeah he's like he's like you he said exactly what you just said he's like okay. if you if you think thoughts energize it with your emotions keep doing that it will pop into your reality it's it has to um you will experience that you know and that's that's what the cabal the dark forces they know this stuff and they're oh, using yeah. it against us instead of for us because they're trying to control with that knowledge which is power yeah. and so when we wake up and use that for ourselves that's when it's game over you know because we're yeah. the ones doing it we just have well to said. do it consciously rather than being tricked into creating someone else's reality yep absolutely so, so you nailed it yeah, yeah. you did um, so let our audience know where they can get your book uh, your website your youtube channel all that stuff please yeah and, uh, you can uh, go to amazon and you'll find that book and uh, if you contact me, there's another one too. If you are in business or like to be in business or like to have a better, smooth running family, you could also, uh, there's another book that is called uh, <clears throat> Universal Success Principles and How Billionaires Think. I uh, I learned a lot from those guys and uh, it's in the book that uh, I have helped, I have mentored some people, helped them start businesses, and uh, it's working pretty good because if you run your life by principles, the mm-hmm. details will fall into place. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So uh, you can also go to broadcastteamalpha.com and uh, poke around, go into the picture gallery. There is 5,000 unbelievable pictures that should not exist, but they do. And uh, just uh, also on YouTube, uh, go to Broadcast Team Alpha. We have a lot of shows there and and videos. And I also have videos on there about how to reprogram your mind while you sleep. Mm. How much easier can that get? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let it do the work for you. So I have to ask, where does Team Alpha come from? What does that mean? Where did you get that name? Uh, broadcast team alpha that was uh, nori love came up with that title and it's a good one so we we're gonna keep it okay yeah, yeah we uh, we started out about six years ago and uh we do three shows a week now she's got one i got one and then we have one on tuesday nights at eight o'clock east coast time five o'clock california time pacific and we do uh interviews and i also do some uh some uh, videos of uh, things that expands your mind on the i run out on sunday nights at the same time great great well thank you for joining us thank you for sharing all that and guys thank you for being here with us tonight we love you all we can't do this without you and if you feel drawn or compelled to join us at our conference in may tickets are available at rebelsofdisclosure.com we would love to see you there and if you can't find a, a hotel or a lodge room, you can always camp. It's a beautiful campground. So uh, it's a lot of fun and we encourage you to do that. So rebelsofdisclosure.com. Thank you so much, Augie, for joining us. Thank this you, has Augie. been fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, that was yeah. fun. Yeah, it was. I appreciate yeah. the conversation. This is the type of stuff that gets my mind going. I love it. So, uh, you know, time travel always will fascinate me and the parallel universe aspect. I think it's, you know, it's becoming more of a reality now, as I said earlier. So 
Uh, I love steering the conversation that direction. So anyway, um, we love you all guys. Thank you for joining us. And until next time, have a great evening. Good night. Good night. Another turning point, a fork stuck in the road Time grabs you by the wrist, directs you where to go So make the best of this test and don't ask why It's not a question but a lesson learned in time It's something unpredictable, but in the end is right I hope you had the time of your life So take the photographs and still frames in your mind Hanging on a shelf in good health and good time Tattoos and memories and dead skin on trial For what it's worth, it was worth all the while It's something unpredictable, but in the end is right I hope you had the time of your life Something unpredictable, but in the end it's right I hope you had the time of your life It's something unpredictable, but in the end it's right I hope you had the time Actually, I was quoting Sherry that's the, that's the last time Brad will ever quote me. <laughs>guys we hope you can join us this year at the rebels of disclosure conference in grafton illinois at the pier marquette lodge and conference center may 13th through the 16th as you can see we have tons of fun we've made some great memories and we just wanted to take this opportunity to extend the invite to all of you who've never been it's so much fun and it's so important to connect with soul family and we just really look forward to seeing everyone out there yeah i hope to see you all there it's a blast um it's really something that you have to experience to uh to know how amazing it is and it's so much more than just the speakers um it's just it's an amazing time and it's amazing uh to connect with soul family so we hope to see you all there and all that information is below at rebelsofdisclosure.com so grab a ticket and join us we hope to see you there